Logical Progression, Year 1, Lesson 11. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen, Allahumma salli wa sallim, barak ala nabina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Apologies for that uh, delay, a complete technical breakdown, but alhamdulillah. Actually, what's really sad is that we weren't watching half an hour of the game yet, either. So, half an hour, half an hour, it's because, but anyway, alhamdulillah, it's all sorted. Everyone can hear, and uh, Yusuf, you can hear everything. Is everything uh, uh, good over there? The sound is coming through fine and everything? Yusuf? Yusuf is just staring ahead, Yani, completely pointless. Yusuf, stick the pen at your mouth and tell me that you can hear everything. He's watching the football. Okay, that's the problem. He's watching the football. Shazad, is everything okay? You're happy with the sound? You're happy with the picture? And is Yusuf happy with the taste of his pen? (laughs) Maybe there is a delay of some sort. Maybe, I don't know. Bear with me. I think that, I think that is live. If we see Yusuf go red, then we're okay because that means that his best he was done. But there's like a one-minute lag or something because he's not responding at all at this moment in time. But if we see some response, then we know that at least. Why don't you connect up uh, Shazad? You should do No, on the phone. Is the sound working now? Why is it that Yusuf can't hear anything? Why is it that Yusuf ignored all our attacks on him? Okay, can you tell ask Yusuf, can you ask Yusuf if he's enjoying the taste of his pen? <laughs> I am not going to start anything until I say Yusuf, his face go red and his bestie be done. Right, there we go. That's it. His bestie's been done. That's it. Now I can see him smiling. When you see him on the video and his face goes like that, we went live. Alhamdulillah. All right. Okay then. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Right. Where did we get to last week then? Anybody? Anybody take notes from here? From the London crowd or what? That's rough, isn't it? You see, by the way, did you see what Nasser said last week? Dissing all the online students. That's a bit rough, isn't it? And you see who, who had your back, yeah? You know I had your back, right? Okay, alhamdulillah. So you know what the good news is? The good news is that if we get over this whole kind of woman, lib, woman's lib kind of uh, attempt, or is it anti-women? I, I can't even work out whether this masala is pro-women or anti-women. But anyway, I left it with, with everyone to look into. It was a kind of like a strange statement, sah. And so we thought, right, let's have a look into it. What's the score? What's going on? The, uh, the statement was uh, on page 7 of the text. I think this is where we are, right? Page 7, yeah? yeah? yeah. Okay, so uh, the Al-Hajjawi, he says, If a woman whilst alone uses a small amount of water to make a complete purification from a state of ritual impurity, the water will not lift the ritual impurity of a male. 
So just to explain what they're trying to say, that if a woman by herself, she's making wudu, a complete purification means like a full wudu here. Um, if they if they do that, if she does that rather, and she's by herself, um, and whilst not doing a sunnah kind of wudu, but she's actually in a state of hadith, ritual impurity, and she wants to lift it, then when she's done that, whatever has been left behind from the water that she used, that water in itself, um, it will not lift, it will not be able to be used for wudu by a guy. Alright? That's basically what the Hanabila are saying. As you're going to see now, you're going to see some harshness go down now. Alright? And I hope that yeah, any, any humblies are, you know, feeling comfortable and don't feel insecure. Because if you're emotionally insecure, then there's a slap down coming. So anyway, but slap down in the, in the nicest possible way, of course, because of course, as Shaykh Uthameen, uh, Rahmatullah is obviously coming at this from a scholarly point of view. Let's, um, let's look at this issue because as I said to you, it sounds very strange um, from a, from a um, if you just read it straight off. And in actual fact, I remember um, reading, about, reading about this. There are a number of people who don't study with the teacher that when they come to this issue here, and obviously they haven't t- studied with, an, with a sheikh or anything, and they read this either in translated form or even with their own little pidgin Arabic or whatever, you can so misunderstand this issue, you can so completely like, take the wrong meaning from this whatsoever. I mean, it, anyone could just look at this and think, what on earth is going on? But if we follow what Sheikh Uthameen uh, establishes as a system of trying to look at the issue in, in a fair kind of way, then you like it. So what uh, Sheikh says is that in this issue there are seven effective conditions that the author has given. Seven conditions. He says that if these seven conditions, that this is at the top of page 44, these kind of restrictions, okay, so basically then the ruling will be established. What are, these seven, what are the seven things that have been established in this sentence? He said the first one is a ritual impurity. The second, that it has to be a man. The third, that it is a small amount of water. The fourth, that the woman has to be alone with it. The fifth is that it is a woman. The sixth is that it has to be a complete purification. And then the seventh is that she has to be trying to lift ritual impurity. So there are seven various points here that have to be uh, achieved one by one by one by one to to effectively then render this water unusable for wudu by a man. So this is the this is the uh, a point. So then he gives an example of that. He goes, if I give you a real world example of what al Hajawi from the Hanbalis is saying, he goes, there's a woman and she has a qidar bin al ma, uh, meaning that she has like a small like I don't know like a pot or bucket or whatever of water which is about one and a half qulla. So of course the Hanbalis are still focused on that whole qulla thing. Yes, not just the Hanbalis actually all the fuqaha are using the hadith of Qullatain. We said roughly one Qulla is about 200 liters, yes? So you can imagine it's a lot of water. So uh, obviously two Qulla is a, is a, is a, is a huge amount of water. Um, and that's why obviously even to, the, even to the rational mind, something that would fall into two Qulla of water, you wouldn't think it would affect the, 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 the amount. It's that, it's that much. But the point here being is that, and this is very important for fiqh in the future as well, whenever we are talking in terms of volume and we say a lot or small, I've mentioned this before, small in the istilah, in the technical terms of the fuqaha, means less than two qulla. A lot means two qulla and above. So that's like 400 plus liters. Yeah? So the sheikh says this, a person has this kind of bucket of water and it's like one and a half qulla, a woman. And 
um, she's alone by herself in the bathroom, in the hammam, and then she makes wudu from it, a complete wudu, and then she goes, she leaves that bathroom, and then a man comes to make wudu from that same water, we will say to this guy, according to the humbly position, you have not been able to lift your state of ritual impurity because you have used the remaining water, a water which was small to begin with because it was only a qulla and a half, and it was used by a woman who was in a state of hadith, who was by herself, who did wudu completely, and then she finished the wudu completely, and then she left it, and then you used it. Whatever you did, however much you used, little or not, you now have not raised your state of hadith, you do not have wudu. That's what the Hanbalis are saying. Is that clear, everybody? So it's a very interesting statement, that, right? It's pretty far out. What does, what, where are the Hanabila coming from? Um, Shaykh Uthameen, he says, That the evidence here is the prohibition of the Prophet that a man should wash with that which is left over by the woman, and the woman should, left, should wash with that which is left over, left from the man. Bifadli rajul. Yani the fadl, the fadl, okay. You know, fadl, when we say fadl, it's the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah? We say it's like his mercy. But in actual, in the, in the linguistic sense, um, fadl means what overflows, extra. So you know when, when someone says this is from his grace, even when you say in English, I think, when you say from his grace, it's like something extra, right? Yeah. Do you get that meaning in English? Yeah. I mean, if you, understand, if you study mu'amalat and you know that there's two types of riba, a riba nasi'a, which is a riba with delay, and riba al-fadl, which means basically that you're giving better and something extra. You know the hadith of Bilal, right? That, that there was uh, one quality sa'a uh, uh, of dates, super quality of dates, versus two lesser quality. If you exchange them both at the same time, this is a riba. Well, the, the Prophet ﷺ told Bilal to, who, who knows what he told Bilal what to do? To sell the dates, right? Sell the bad dates or sell the, the lesser quality ones, get cash and then pay for the higher quality ones. Uh, don't swap them because one is better than the other. One has extra characteristics and quality of the, of the other. And, the, and the, the, obviously that was named Ribal Fadal. This uh, riba of extra and excellence and better, whatever. So anyway, that's what Fadal means. So the Fadal is the extra over the, uh, the, what is left over. So uh, this hadith, as uh, Shaykh Uthameen, uh, the, the, the tahqiq uh, notes, was narrated by Imam Ahmed and uh, narrated by Abu Dawood in the book of Tahara and narrated by An-Nasai in the book of Tahara and it was uh, on the authority of a man who accompanied the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi This of course is a very interesting statement because here we have not been given the name of the companion and of course in, in the hadith sciences not having the name of the companion itself is not a uh, a, a uh, an illa which is qadiha, yani an illa which destroys the, the chain. Because all of the companions are udul, yani they are all trustworthy and accepted and respected as narrators. So that's why the muhaqqiq, the one who is giving us the uh, references for this hadith, that's why then he mentions some statements of other scholars authenticating or not the hadith. 
And he says, وَصَحَّهُ الْحُمَيْدِي And Al-Bayhaqi, of course it's from the Ulam Al-Hadith, وَرُوَاتُهُ thiqat That its narrators are trustworthy. They are good quality trustworthy narrators. And of course the Imam of all the Muhaddithin, Ibn Hajar Al-Isqalani, he said, Isnaduhu Sahih. That its chain is authentic. So this is an interesting point here. The Hadith that we're going to use to establish this very strange kind of sounding point is being presented to us as an authentic Hadith. And throughout this criticism, Shaykh Uthameen is going to maintain the authenticity of the hadith. So keep that point in mind as we now go forth with the criticism. So, what Shaykh says, he goes, He goes from the, from the peculiarities of sacred knowledge. Because there are many, actually, when you study Sharia in depth, you will come across some of the, like, the weird and wonderful, the X-Files, if you like, right? So you know, have lots of lots of ilmi issues that are stack loads and stack loads, but there is like a drawer there called the X-Files. And if you open that, you find some ajib stuff. So this is why yani, the word gharaib is linked to ajaib, yani, strange, weird and wonderful. This is, this is not an attack on the, the, the deen or the hadith, but obviously when you take some kind of things that you're not used to, very kind of culturally sound strange, whatever, these would fall into that category. So Sheikh himself says, He goes from the most wonderful oddities and peculiarities of sacred knowledge, is this issue. I.e. that whom istadallu, that they derive from this hadith, that they derive from this authentic hadith that a man shouldn't make wudu from, um, shouldn't wash from what a woman leaves over, and a woman shouldn't leave wash from what a man leaves over. They derive that the man is not to make wudu from what is left over by the woman, but they didn't say that the woman is not allowed to make wudu from what is left over by the man. Meaning they allowed the woman to do it, but the guy, he's not allowed. Almost like to say, like when the water miskina she uses it, it becomes some kind of yani, you know, <laughs> whatever yani. I don't, I don't know what the PC word in London is these days, but yani it gets corrupted yani, whatever, right? And so therefore, my man can't use it because you know she's messed it up. Like <laughs> yani, when my man he uses the water to make wudu, my girl when she comes, she's okay to use it because man them yani clean and pure and all those things. So, <laughs> so he goes. He goes, this is very strange. He goes, this is very strange. He goes, and he goes, in fact, the Hanabila, they said, In fact, the Hanabila themselves, they said, it's permissible for a woman to use the water which is left over from the man. Um, and Sheikh goes, well, hold on. He goes, He goes, as long as the, the, the evidence is one, and the hukum is one, and the hadith has been split into two kind of categories from the same evidence, okay, then why are we taking with just one part of the equation and ignoring the other? Especially considering, moving on to now page 45, that actually we have a hadith clearly, a hadith which actually supports the permissibility of a man making wudu, which is left over from the woman, which was that the Prophet sallallahu that after Maymuna, his wife made the wudu, he washed from that same water. And that hadith has been narrated by Muslim in the book of menstruation. Bab al-Qadr al-Mustahab bin al-Ma' fi ghasl al-Janaba, hadith number 323. So the Hanabila, they said the man shouldn't, and that's actually uh, the place where hadith has been narrated that has allowed it. And they didn't allow the woman to make wudu from the water. And in this issue, there's not a single hadith that has ever been narrated that prohibited the matter. 
Did you understand his point? So that, check it out. The Hanabla said the man cannot do it from the woman, and yet we have a hadith in Muslim that allows, shows that he did. And then the Hanabla are saying that the women cannot do it from the man, and yet we have no hadith to establish the same either. This is what Shaykh Uthameen, he said. He goes, that second point, he goes, This is a second yani, strange point. So, then he goes now into a detailed criticism of this, uh, uh, this issue. He says, so when they said, he said, so, um, I don't even know whether we should go through this because this is kind of painful, right? He's going to dissect it bit by bit. He goes, okay, the statement of uh, Al-Hajjawi, Hadith Rajulin, yani the impurity of a man. He goes, what is understood from this uh, situation, therefore, is that if a man, meaning from this statement that the Hanbali is saying, he's saying that what can be understood then is that if a man, therefore, is going to use that same water, so let us go back to that same example. The guy is in the bathroom now after the woman has used the water, yes? And got the remainder, small amount of water. In that example, he's now saying, so according to the Hanbalis, if this guy is going to wash some najasa from his body, he's going to wash some najasa from his body, no problem. Why no problem? Why is there no problem? Because he's not lifting the hadith, okay? He's just washing najasa, cleaning his body, then that's okay. If he's cleaning his thawb, that's okay as well because it's not not thingy. He goes likewise. If I want to wash my hands after I've just got up from sleep, it's okay. Yani the only thing that's not allowed to use this water for is to lift the, the state of hadith. And also he said, what's also to be understood from this point, what the Hanbalis are saying, is that if a woman came in instead, another guy into the bathroom, and she used the remainder of the water, go ahead, finish the sentence. It lifts her state of, of hadith because? Because it's a man. Because it's a man. She's a woman. Frankly, that's it. She's not a man. So the first woman who used it, that's Yani done. He goes that, or Shaykh Zemin is saying that from this single statement and Hadith Rajulin, Yani, he, uh, he is able to derive all of these following points. That means that if a person came to, if the guy came in and washed his thobe, no problem. Washed his hands, no problem. Washed his najas of his body, no problem. If a woman came in and used the water to lift Hadith, there'll be no problem. So this is just, he's just now going through each one, academically learning, going through the points. He goes also, they, he said small amount of water. Small amount of water. Therefore, يفهم منه أنه لا كان كثيراً فإنه يرفع حدثه. يعني that therefore that means if the woman she had used a, 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 the water from a large source, meaning like three qulla, and then left a, a large amount, then the man could come in and he would have no problem. And um, he goes the evidence for this point. The evidence for this is because um, in some of the narrations of the hadith of Maimuna. The word, is, the word that is used is jafna. And the word jafna means a little amount of water, a small amount of water, meaning that there is an indication there that even a small amount of water won't be a problem actually for a man anyway. Also, also he's saying that the author has said as long as, as she has to be alone. She has to be alone. Now, we're going to talk about what that means in a second. First, Shaykh Uthameen quite nicely is going to describe to us in the madhab what does... Uh, um, no, what's the word for lon- no, not loneliness? Soli- uh, um, solitude. It's not solitude, is it? Isol- it's not isolation. When someone's alone, what are they? Isolation. 
Lonely. They're not lonely. <laughs> lonely. You pack. <laughs> lonely. Isolated? It's not isolated either, is it? It's, I think it's in seclusion. Even that's a bit. If you're alone, I think you're just alone, aren't you? <laughs> that's why am I trying to change the word? Okay. If you're if you're if you're alone, you're alone. Okay. So so he says. So what is the tafsir of khalwa? Um, I think every pack knows what khalwa is, right? Because that's the only word we care about these days, yeah? Men, women, khalwa. Men, women, mixing. Yeah? So free mixing khalwa is the most common word used by any Muslim these days. So what actually is khalwa? He goes, in the madhab, that khalwa is that you are uh, free from the witnessing and mushahadati mumayyiz. You are not being observed or in the presence of a mumayyiz. A mumayyiz is someone who is able to know right from wrong. This is the, the word mumayyiz is taken from the, the phrase sinu tamiz, meaning the age of discernment. Basically the age of seven. Some kids are maybe are that at that age at six, and some are late developers at the eight, age of eight or nine. But the word mumayyiz means the one who's able to distinguish between right and wrong. Yani yumayyiz, he, he discerns between the good and the wrong and the right and whatever. So if there is a child who is above that age and they are um, uh, a child or an adult above this age of tamiz, this is the, the, uh, and they're witnessing or in the presence of or in the same room or watching, then this would break the concept of khalwa. Does that make sense? If there is no one in the room, no one in the room, or there's a young baby in the room, or a five-year-old in the room, this is considered being alone, in seclusion. Is that clear? So that's a, that's a, that's a good point, by the way. That's a fa'idah from the uh, madhab. So he then says, so then Sheikh Uthameen, then go, uh, talking about that, he says that if there was a nine-year-old child in the room who was witnessing all of this, Whilst the man came, whilst the woman was doing wudu, so the woman is now doing wudu in the bathroom with a little kid there who's nine years old, though, though uh, old enough to know what right from wrong, and then leaves out water, even if it's a small amount, and then the guy comes in and makes wudu, no problem. Why no problem? Because she was never alone. Because she was never alone. As you can see here, Sheikh Uthameen is deconstructing this by trying to make this argument seem absurd from an aql point of view. Uh, I'm putting words in Sheikh's mouth, but that's yani, very clear to me what he's doing as he keeps going down. And then he goes, uh, okay, and then he, uh, the other condition was that it's a complete purification. So he goes that therefore, um, if this woman became... Um, alone only halfway through her purification so she starts making full wudu and then someone came in for like you know 10-20 seconds and then left well because someone came in during her whole purification and she therefore didn't have solitude uh, for that whole purification then that also wouldn't then apply the condition is broken just to try and uh, make you uh, understand. Or someone saw it at the beginning and then left. Or someone came at the end and then stayed. Or etc. 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 So and then uh, he does, and then he carries on and says, um, and the woman has to also be lifting a state of hadith, meaning that if she was just making wudu again, then this point wouldn't be valid, etc. So this is the ruling on this issue according to the madhab. What's sahih? Sheikh Uthameen says on page. 
46. He goes, as for what is a correct position, then this prohibition, that this prohibition in this hadith is not upon the way of prohibition. It is not prohibiting. It's not making haram. Rather, it is Now, this is something that we need to have a quick chat about. What actually this hadith is, it is prohibiting, and this is the point I wanted to make, the Shaykh Uthameen, even though he's trying to make it clear that this is silly, yani some of these points that are being made. Um, and maybe it could be also understood by some scholars actually that Shaykh Uthameen is not saying that, and he's just trying to go into a lot of detail. Allahu A'lam. But regardless, Shaykh Uthameen's position is this, that the prohibition stands. But the prohibition is not prohibition, meaning the act is haram, the prohibition that is indicated in the hadith is indicating that the action is hated. Now, hated is makruh. Now, this is important. The word makruh, according to majority of scholars, is a simple and, and straightforward ruling. It just means hated and disliked. But according to the proper fuqaha, with no disrespect to the al-hadith, yeah, but <laughs> according to the proper fuqaha, yani, they go into a lot of bit of detail, yani, you know what I'm saying? Yeah? They like kind of say, well, hold on. Uh, there are some evidences. I mean, the, the, the founders of fiqh and usul, the ahnaf, yani. Uh, are we allowed to say the word ahnaf in this mosque? No? <laughs> Don't really dissing yani, the house that you've been hosted in. What are you dissing that for? Right. So, no, no, no. I know Masjid Tawheed loved the ahnaf. The, um, the, uh, <laughs> the ahnaf, of course, are the early and first uh, fuqaha or Abu Hanifa and his scholar and his, and, his, and his companions who were eventually students, they're the ones who established this concept that makruh, the status of hated, has itself two levels. Makruh tahrimi and makruh tanzihi. Yani a, a very, very hated action, so much hated, which is virtually like prohibition. And then another level, which is lower down, which is makruh tanzihi. Yani a kiraha, a hatred that we want you to just avoid the action because of. This second category, which is the lesser of the two, this is the same definition that every other faqih and every other scholar understands kiraha to mean. If you remember, actually it was the last time we did uh, the roadshow. It was the last time we did the roadshow in Toronto. I went through the, the ahkam al-khamsa. If you remember, I went through the five definitions of the five rulings of a state that we can be in, or things can be in. Haram, makru, mubah, mandub, and mustahab, which is two words, the same thing, and wajib, or fard. Yeah? Oh, yeah, that's wajib, or fard. You remember I went for that definition? Who can remind me the definition of makru, according to that list? Rewarded if you leave it, but not punished if you do it. Very good. Well done. Exactly that. Rewarded if you leave it. Yeah, and you make the niyyah that I'm not too sure about this action, but I'm going to leave it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the scholars have said it's makruh. But if you do decide to do it for whatever reason, then you're not punished. So that is makruh according to the, the scholars of, the, of Islam. As I said, the Hanafis, they gave this a specific title. They call this makruh tanzihi. Yani a... A makru, which is uh, just emphasized in its nature of trying to ward you off, push you away. They created that extra level, that new qism, that new type. They call it makru tahrimi, which was what is a level between makru and haram. And they call it makru tahrimi. How serious is that? They said that it is so serious, this action, 
yani that you are still you are still uh, 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 rewarded if you leave it but if you do it you now this is where the detail comes and of course the devil is always in the detail some of them said you're not punished if you do it but if you deny the ruling deny the ruling of that action what do you think happens to what level let's say you deny the ruling in an Islamic state I'm talking now I'm talking, I'm talking capital punishment kind of angle. Let me, let, 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 let me make it easier. Uh, salah. Fajr prayer. What's the ruling of Fajr prayer? Fard. Alright. Fard. What does that mean? If you do it, you're rewarded. If you leave it, you're punished. If you deny that it is an obligation, it's kufr and you are? Kafir. And then whatever then falls upon it as a result of that. The Ahnaf, they said, that's all fine and good, but there are certain things that we're not so sure that we can be so certain about. This is now going into a very controversial area called Hadith Al-Ahad. Those are Hadith which come in a singular form or in an uncertain form. And so therefore, if a, if a ruling is established in a manner where they believe that the, 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 is, that the, the lead is odhani, that the religion, that the evidence for the matter is speculative, okay, then we're not going to, as fuqaha, if a person comes and denies this, we're not going to deny them as we're not going to uh, class them as kafir. I'll give you a classic example: smoking. So smoking is a controversial issue. There are a number of scholars that said out and out it's haram, and others that called it makru. Okay. Now, for those who are saying it's haram, that's a big statement. It's a big call to make smoking haram, and they do it mostly based upon. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says don't kill yourself and smoking nowadays is absolutely clear that it is a number one cause of you know lung cancer blah blah, blah and whatever and then they mentioned some side reasons they said ah oh, but it causes uh, bad smell bad discoloration bad this bad that and you can't come to the masjid in this manner and you can't do this and it's a waste of money but these are side evidences they didn't build their evidence upon that they built the evidence upon the single point that it is something which kills you the other scholars said listen you're therefore making a qiyas upon a point, you're making an analogy, you're already on kind of, not risky ground, but you're making a big call here because it's not in Kitab Sunnah. It's not clearly in Quran Sunnah, that statement. So when you're making that call, you've got to be careful. And if you're going to make your evidence, your basis for your statement, you're going to say that it kills you, well then so does Gulab Jaman yani, for a diabetic. <laughs> and so does Hagen Daz yani, for a guy who's yani, you know, in my condition. You know what I'm saying? And I'm telling you now, any mufti tells me Hagen Daz is haram, he wants to go and, he wants to go and give for someone else, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so obviously, there's an issue there. Uh, it's a fine line. Now, there are some scholars will say, no, that's right. Hagandaz and Gulab Jamin are haram for a guy who's, you know, super sensitive. Sugar is going to take him over and kill the guy. And of course, when they make people kneel by mouth in a hospital situation or they put them on certain uh, feeds or for their safety or whatever or they don't trust the person to be able to look after themselves and they put them in monitored care this is the reason because some people are fed up and they said I can't handle this and you know I don't want to continue with this kind of situation where you know my, my food is being controlled so much that my life has become miserable I need to have something sweet and then they go into hypoglyce- hyperglycemic hyperglycemic shock hyperglycemic shock or whatever and they die or something so maybe an alim will give a fatwa and say that this is haram for you but the point is it's a slippery slope when you start saying that things are haram because it's going to kill you you're going to have to have absolute yani, burham in Allah a clear burning proof from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before you say haram that's why there's a strong like my own sheikh for example 
Sheikh Ihlan, he considers smoking to be makruh. Even though myself, I, 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 you know, I respect the argument, but I, obviously I have a medical background and I feel better with the haram point of view. But it's a good example because what's the point I'm trying to make? If a person was now to come, some pack on the street, yeah, and we hook him up and we say to him, bro, yeah, I'm in London now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> say, bro, yeah, you know, you smoke this haram in it, mate, yeah? <laughs> so obviously uh, the guy goes, what do you mean haram? I'm sorry, what do you mean haram? <laughs> yeah? So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to him, right, well, look. Um, you know, Allah says this and Prophet says that. He goes, Allah didn't say nothing. Prophet never said nothing. Uh, it's not haram at all. I reject that ruling completely. Now, if we went all academic on, the, on him, yeah? Uh, if we went all kind of, you know, hardcore on him, we could argue and say that, are you denying that it's haram? Are you denying? Like if he was saying that about salah, if he turned around and said that Allah did make fajr uh, obligatory, Allah didn't make it, whatever. And he said the same thing uh, about, um, like alcohol. Alcohol. Let's say that the guy had alcohol and I took it off him and I said to him, listen, geez, you can't be busting alcohol. And he goes, where did Allah say that? Prophet didn't say that. I said, right here, right there. He goes, Allah didn't say it's haram. I know that the Prophet and I refuse to accept it and he keeps drinking. If he did that, that's a major issue, isn't it? It's kufr, do you agree? If he said, yeah, I know Allah says that, but I'm weak, bruv. I'm weak, bruv. And he takes a couple of swigs and whatever. He says, see you later, bruv. Yeah? So then, that's not okay. It's not okay, but it's not kufr. Do you accept the point? Yeah, and he's, I met someone like that yesterday, right? Not, not alcohol. Yeah, and I just want to say this because I know he's not watching this, and I know that he does, uh, uh, but it was about salah. I was on dawah missions yesterday, all day, going around, yeah, and he, doing the whole kind of, you know, to do, back in the uh, London kind of flex, and meeting uh, cousins and, uh, uh, you know, relatives and friends of relatives. And I come across a guy, I'm not even exaggerating, if I say to you that the guy busted pure hadith upon me, in Arabic, with the translation, full meanings, full this, full that, whatever. And this was because I said to him, bruv, why aren't you praying? I went to the, I went to the masjid. It was, a, it was a brillo masjid, I must admit, yeah. It was barking masjid, which is, you know what I'm saying? But still. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it's a masjid, isn't it? Right? It's like, I said to him, bruv, why, why are you not praying in the masjid? And he goes, and uh, he goes... He goes, hadith after hadith that the, the ahd bayna na wa baynahum as-salah, that the, the, the covenant that distinguishes between us and them is the prayer. The one who leaves uh, salah, faqad kafar. In a proper pack accent, busting all these hadith, faqad kafara. You know, like this, yeah? And I'm like, okay, okay. And he goes, awwalu, awwalu ma yuhasibu bihi al-abdu, yano, yano as-salah. Yani, in a proper pack Arabic. And he goes, I studied fiqh, you know, they call it fiqh, yeah? They don't call it fiqh, they call it fiqh. I studied the fiqh, and I studied tariqh, and I studied aqidah, and I studied this, that, whatever. I said, brother, I said, your hadith are more better than I mine. Why are you not praying? He goes, well, Allah, pure laziness. I said, shocker, that's me, proper shocker. Proper shocker. I'm telling you, man. I, he goes, he goes, this, he goes, this dunya, he goes, I, I, I don't know, he goes, I've been put off. He started blaming Taliban, started blaming and his business, started blaming everything. I mean, I respected his honesty, but obviously I'm not down with, you know, his, 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 his bakwas, basically, yeah? So I'm just giving you a classic example. There are some people that will go in there straight and say, bruv, you're kafir, that's it. 
Yeah, and they would say that because they say, yeah, and it's the person who doesn't pray, and of course, there's a position out there that some of the scholars consider it like that. And I would say, no, he's not a kafir because he clearly believes in the ruling, and he does go on a Friday, and he does want to, and he does try to, but there is this issue of laziness. Now, obviously, there, even in the books of the Fuqaha, there was a discussion on this, and the position of the Malikiyah and Shafi'is, and stated by Imam Nawawi, and this is a position, inshallah, of Ahlul Sunnah, my position as well, that if a person is in this scenario, He's on the edge, but he's not careful, and he's got to be pulled back in. Now, that's a classic example. Yes, the person says that about alcohol. Same thing. It's haram. I accept it, but I'm drinking it because I can't stop it. There's no kufr being bust. But if he starts saying the prayer is not obligatory upon me, I don't have to pray. And if he's saying the alcohol is not obligatory upon me, I don't need to pray. Then that's kufr hardcore because he's denying a nas, denying a nas, meaning a text from Quran or Sunnah. If he says that about smoking. Is he kafir? No. Why not? If you said it's haram. That's what the that's what our our, our people say. That's what our schools say. That there's no dalil qata'i, there's no definitive evidence that makes smoking haram. And because there is no definitive evidence, we cannot give smoking the status of haram. And therefore the people out there that go around saying that the smoking isn't haram, is haram, not only are they not saying haram, they're not falling into kufr. How do we then make a balance between trying to warn them off it? We have this category called makru tahrimi. You understand what I'm saying? So this, this category is an action. If you do it, you are not punished. If you avoid it, you are rewarded for intention. If you deny it, you do not become, you do not become non-Muslim. If you deny it, you do not become non-Muslim. This is makru tahrimi. That's the second category. Hanafis do all the hard work, but the gut you need to create the system. Shafi'is come along and just nick the system like job lot. So they, they, they started busting Yani Tahrimi Tanzihi themselves. As for the Hanbalis and the other scholars, they kind of just watched them playing around with it and said, We're not interested. We just believe in El Hadith Yani, just Makru, and that's the end of it. So I said, Okay. So that's uh, uh, obviously, uh, as, as you guys will remember from the beginning lessons, I consider Sheikh Uthameen from the Fuqaha of our time. Despite his background and the Najd and where he's from, he has the mind of the Fuqaha, he is respectful of the scholars and that kind of system. Anyway. So, so he goes that my position is that this hadith is valid and this hadith is actually just trying to say that it's best not to do wudu from the water which is left over from a woman and that it maybe it is hated. The reasoning for it, Allah Alam. He now is going to say that, at least he's going to prove to you that his position is valid. He goes, the reason that I can say it's not haram haram is the hadith of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma اغتصر بعض أزواج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من جفنة فجاء النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يغتصر منها فقالت إني كنت جنبا فقال فقال الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الماء لا يجنب that which is a hadith in Sahih that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم um, that uh, some of the wives of the Prophet they made they they made a ghusl they made a ghusl from a small amount of water and then the Prophet then came to then make ghusl from it and they said to him, Ya Rasulullah, we were sexually impure, we were ritually impure. So yani, we've used this water. So there is some issue there, yani, as you can see. And the Prophet said that water itself does not become impure, does not go into the state of Janaba. Like, I, I, as if to say, I respect what you've done, but this water that you've left for me, I can use it as well. Because it doesn't become impure. And then he carried on. Does that make sense? This hadith is narrated by Ibn Abbas. And it's hadith on, Hassan, it's hadith on Sahih. And it's narrated by Imam Ahmed. And it's narrated by Abu Dawood in the Kitab of Dahara. And it's narrated by Nasa'i in the Book of Water. And it's narrated in, by Imam Tirmidhi in the Book of Water. And 
uh, Imam uh, Abu Isa Tirmidhi, he said that this hadith is Hassan, Sahih, and it was authenticated also by Ibn Khuzayma Shafi'i, wa Ibn Hibban Shafi'i, or from Ahlul Hadith, wa Al-Hakim, wa Nawawi, wa Dhahabi. And this is, uh, uh, you can find other uh, references there. This hadith is sahih, inshallah, regardless. Okay? And so therefore, because of the existence of this hadith, allowing the, uh, showing the Prophet did that, that must mean that clearly the action and the claim of you not being allowed to use the water at all, this cannot be haram, haram. Rather that the indication from that statement is that it's trying to basically push you away from using that. Does that make sense, everybody? Yeah? Does that make sense? Or do we just lose everyone there? Don't tell me we lost everyone. Don't tell me yeah, Real Madrid scored or something because the faces have gone dark. <coughs> What's the score? Yeah, I just don't even know. Robin Van Persie, no? No one's telling me anything. You lot are useless. Cuss me. I'm, I'm London. I'm not, I'm not even asking to say cuss. Uh, uh, who? Are you scouser, bro? No, no, no. But I, but <laughs> <laughs> brother, I hope you're not wearing a Liverpool shirt because you know we don't like Najasa in the mosque. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wallahi. Is it permissible to give someone a Najasa? <laughs> Brother was going to give me a scouser shirt, you know what I'm saying? I've already got a towel for that. <coughs> who scored for who? Um, I think Ronaldo for. Yes, what a beast. Welbeck, um, and Welbeck, yeah. yeah. Two headers, yeah. That's me what I'm missing for you boys, man. Fuck is better, inshallah. Isn't it? Right, okay. So. Um, uh, okay then, so basically Shaykh Uthaymeen's uh, uh, conclusion is this. He goes, for sawab that a man is allowed to purify himself from that which a woman has used by herself, even if the water is little, and his purification, فَإِنَّ طَهَارَتَهُ صَحِيحَةٌ And it will be correct and valid, and his state of impurity will be lifted. And here's the goal. And this is what was chosen by Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah Rahimahullah May Allah have mercy upon him I also give you a few other scholars um, uh, as well Because I know that you guys in London are like you know, you're, you're on top like that So uh, let me give you some uh, of the other ulama That also chose this position What is that? Let me tell you um, Because You know subhanAllah This was what happened last time as well Trying to find the scholars on these pieces of paper it Is a mission do you want to know the, the statements of the ulama? Do you? Do you know on his truth? I don't think I can find it. Nah. We'll suck that off, mate. We'll suck that off. Right, anyway. And what do you need anymore after I say Mutamia? What do you want other names for, man? Okay, right. What's time saying? Are we good with time? Because there's a big, big Yanni uh, thing happening like in the next five seconds. We are about to free ourselves from the chain of pure and purifying. Honest to God, if that's not worth the party, I don't know what is. <laughs> right? Yeah. We are now, brothers and sisters, okay, finished now, alhamdulillah, page seven. Alhamd, and we are now actually moving on to the, uh, there is more water out there basically yeah. we were drowning in that pure purifying you know what I'm saying yeah but alhamdulillah we're out we are out man we got through the other side yeah, and it was hard it was one of those kind of you know underwater missions but alhamdulillah we're there now so now we're talking about remember now like about six years ago if you remember the sheikh he started off and said there's three types of water it took us six years to finally finish yeah, the first one. <laughs> now we've come to the second type of water. So the first one, if you remember, was pure and purifying. And then the, um, 
Should we just actually, you know, what would be beneficial is to, if you have the notes, we'll just kind of uh, uh, go and look at what that water uh, was. Hold on. Yeah. So back on page two, just to kind of like, you know, just as a, like a refresher, right? Um, the chef said there are three types of water, okay? And the first one was pure and purifying water. So it's purifying water, we call it pure and purifying. So what was this purifying, this first type? It is the only type of water that actually lifts the state of ritual impurity. That was the point. It's the only type of water that actually lifts the state of ritual impurity and removes foreign filth. Obviously, we're reading directly from the Hanbali text. Of course, as you remember now, that when we were studying all of this, we were correcting, or not correcting, we were stating what our position is, meaning the position of Sheikh Rathaymeen as the top position of this class. You accept that. So obviously, now that reading through the text, we're just uh, emphasizing the humbly position. You'll remember straight off, if you remember, that the next statement, and removes foreign filth, we said any water would be able to do that. Do you remember, yes? Do you remember that? We even actually said, actually, it doesn't even have to be water. Do you remember that as well? Yeah, the humblies, they said it needs to be pure purifying. We said even sticking it out in the sun and burning it all off, that would do. We said that's even the Tamir's position, and we gave it evidences for it. So I just want you to be aware that I'm only now repeating the humbly position. But you will remember, obviously, three months of work was actually three months of work. We did actually give other opinions for all these points. So purifying water is that which lifts ritual impurity or removes foreign filth, and it is water that is in its original state. So whenever you find original pure water, that is always going to be pure and purifying. And it was still allowed to use it, although it was considered to be offensive, if the water did actually change from that, that original state by, by mixing something with it which didn't dissolve in it, such as a bit of camphor, which was basically it's hard, basically, and therefore it's not like dissolving like ink or, or something, and grease, because it's not really mixing, and uh, salt, which is not from water, uh, water, like rock salt, so it's not any from it uh, originally, or the water itself was heated, whilst uncovered using something which was impure because that water was then that uh, impurity was then going to go up into the air and then fall into the water potentially and we did say that um, there was no problem using that same pure purifying water for wudu if it was just changing in nature in color in this kind of like uh, uh, in its original nature in its original nature just by the fact that it remains still we didn't add anything to it it kind of you know, change because of a long period of time for what in whatever way. But if we didn't do anything to it and it was like in its original state, then that's how it is. You could think of many examples of this. You could think of watering holes that have been untouched, wells that are deep that come we come across, trap water in glaciers that we find t- 26 million years later or whatever. All of these things is water in its original state, despite the length of period of time that went uh, went by. Likewise, we said that this original water, if we find something growing in it naturally, water lilies, water moss on top, leaves falling into it, twigs in it, and this kind of thing, this, this, this nature of it changing or mixing with other things, that's the nature of human life. Very difficult to avoid that. This is a religion, of course, for all people, and therefore this water is allowed to use for wudu, even though it be muddy, even though there's plants in it, even though the mind will think we can't use that. Likewise, we said that there's no problem using the water um, if it's next to some kind of dead carcass of some sort or that the water has been heated uh, naturally by the sun or if the water was heated if we got some clean fuel like wood and we burnt that and its ashes then fell into the water that wouldn't affect it either, we'd still be able to use it. Um, We said that um, that same water it would still be allowed although it would be considered offensive according to the Hanbalis if it was used in a recommended uh, purification such as renewing uh, the ablution 
or washing for the Jum'ah, or washing a second or a third time. Okay? Then we also then mentioned the point about the nature of the amount of the water. We said that if the water, the Hamri said that if the water reaches an amount of two qulla, which we said at the bottom there is something around 270 liters, 190 liters, 216, 217 liters, different opinions. We'll just rough chuck, chuck out 200 just to keep it on a, on a simple kind of scale. So if the water is over 400 liters, then, then if it mixes with filth, which isn't urine or any other human liquid waste and it doesn't change, or it mixes with urine or other waste products, which is difficult to remove just by the nature because it's a popular drinking spot or because it's the only place like a watering hole, then the water is still purifying. And we discussed that in, in a lot of detail. And it was very complicated and we spent a lot of time on it. And I, uh, that was a humble position. Our position, just for those people who are really lost on that, is very simple when it comes to how we treat water. It doesn't matter whether the water is a lot or a little, whether it's a million qulla or whether it's just under two qulla. If the water changes completely, then it's no longer yeah, any good enough for us to use. That's it. That's the only thing that we're, we're going we're gonna to consider from a fiqh point of view. And that was a position of Ibn Taymiyyah. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah. Um, and then we just mentioned this point now. If there's a woman, she has a small amount of water and she makes this wudu while she was alone. And then that guy, you know, the guy comes afterwards, he won't be able to use it. For himself, we just proved that that's not not the case, and actually, if he's allowed, but if he can avoid it, then he will use fresh water and so on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, folks, this is not going to be that applicable for us, all right? Because this is mostly referring to what, referring to water, which is uh, still. Uh, I told you that it's important for you to understand the actual. Um, how can I say the, the the nature of how people used to uh, wash back in the day? They would have um, a bathtub. Um, and they would then pour water over themselves in that bathtub. It wouldn't be draining. They'd carry that water out and then they'd throw it away. They'd be using some kind of, um, how can I say, they'd be using um, a bucket to, to, to pull from. And the idea on the, 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 the issue where doubts come in, and the issue is we're now going to see uh, where the uh, hadith of, of finding a problem with the fact that water is being uh, uh, solid is because you're putting your hands into this container to then... You know, so you would you would like scoop up water, and then while you're scooping it up, it's that action of where you lift it up, and then you you quickly rub your hands before the water all falls down. It's a skill, of course, isn't it? The point is, is that when you're putting your hand into that water, is seen as ruining that water. That's where the whole issue comes from. This is before, of course, the invention of a plumbing system and taps. This does not apply anymore. We open the tap, yeah, and we can use any hand to use the tap. And the water is running and flowing, so we don't have any of these problems anymore at all. It would apply, of course, though, if we were still taking water from one uh, utensil to use. Does that, does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's important to remember and keep that in context, otherwise you can get quite confused by this whole, yani, you know, this whole palaver, yani, what's it all about? Anyway, let's jump into then pure water, um, the second type of water. Pure water is when, it's, uh, the sheikh says in Arabic, what in... Uh, in, uh, so he starts in Arabic in a different way. Obviously, we've translated it in English a much easier way. A sleep which is Pure water is when the, the, the water's taste, color, or smell 
changes as a result of cooking or something falling into it. Or a small amount of that water is used to remove ritual impurity. Or that same small amount of water has someone's hand dipped into it after they arise from nocturnal sleep, which invalidated their ablution. Or it was the last water used in removing filth. Now, as always, reading that and listening to that first time straight off, it sounds strange and confusing. Don't let that worry you, okay? It's going to become clearer once we start going into the way the Sheikh Uthameen is going to uh, deal with this, uh, uh, with this uh, chapter. You're going to find that it's actually quite nice and, and become quite clear. What time did we actually start? Because we started late, isn't it? 8.30. What time is that? Oh, I can't even see that time. What is that time? 9.30. So we'll just do this today, inshallah, for about 10 minutes, and then we, we, we can then jump into some uh, questions. So Sheikh says, okay, then, so this is now clearly the second type of water according to the madhab. It is tahir, i.e. it has completely changed. It has a taghayyara taghayyuran kamilan bihithu la yudhaqu ma'ahu ta'mul ma' aw taghayyara aktharu aw safihi wa hiya hadhi thalatha that what's happened here, this is pure water. What does that mean? It means that it has changed completely from water or most of it has changed. And what are the parameters of change? Three parameters. The taste of the water, the smell of the water, and the color of the water. The Sheikh says that the author starts with tabakh. So first of all, the Sheikh says that the example that's been given is that it is cooked with something, i.e. meat. Okay? Do we have any meat anymore? Is it just everything now just to be boycotted? <laughs> Honest to God, Yanni, is it not time to become vegetarian now? <laughs> but how are we going to become vegetarian, Yanni? Muslims don't do vegetarian. I am. Huh? Eat horse. Eat horse, yeah? <laughs> you know the crazy thing? The crazy thing is, is that if we knew it was horse meat, yeah, there'd be no issue. It's not, like, it's not like they found rat in there, is it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that make us sick. They found horse, which is like the better thing. It's just that the people's confidence has been so shaken, Yanni, that's all. But if they step back and think, it's like... It's like you bought, you bought a chocolate bar and you found like a golden ticket to Willy Wonka's uh, chocolate factory. And you're kind of complaining and saying, but it's not pure chocolate. It's got a gold wrapper in it. Because it's like cheap beef and they found horse in it. You know what I'm saying? Or is, that, is that whole analogy wrong? Have I just messed that one up, yeah? Yeah, never mind. Never mind. Just theory. I'm just, just checking it out, man. All right. So... Um, so Sheikh says he goes if the if the if the thingy if the water is cooked with some meat, okay, if the if the if the if the thingy if the the, the, the water is cooked with some meat, and therefore it's, it's the water's taste change or the uh, the color changes or the um, smell changes, taghayyuran kathiran bayinan, yani a significant change which is pretty clear. فَإِنَّهُ يَكُونُ طَاهِرٌ غَيْرَ مُطَاهِرٌ Therefore, this water now has been, is pure, it's still pure. What does that mean, pure? It's not that it's... Uh, therefore, give me a practical point. Like the, the color is changed, but you can... Okay, but give me like practical, yeah, and you make, it, uh, make it relevant. If I say the water is pure, but not purifying... Like tea. Okay. But give me a practical example. You can't do wudu, yeah. Okay. But you can wipe something off... Uh, Okay, or you can drink it. You can drink it, good. I know it's obvious, but that needs to be stated. The obvious thing here is that you spill a whole load on your shirt when it's time for salah. You don't have to go and change your shirt. That's the point. 
you might change your shirt because it's a besti, yani, I understand that part, yeah? But you're not changing it hukman, yani, that I have to change it because, yani, you know, it's, it's haram. You change it because man's going to diss you, yani, yeah? you, 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 you don't have to drink, yani, or you, you'll become an invalid or something, I don't know, whatever. So, that's the point, it's pure, yeah? It's not a problem for the salah, but we can't use it to make wudu. And if you're making wudu from salah, then things are rough, yani, at home. You know what I'm saying, yeah? Because this is silent, isn't it? This is gorsht, yani. And if, like I said to you guys before in the last week, if you need to make wudu from gorsht, yani, and silent, just come and see me and I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure I've got some brothers to help you out. We've got some good, good generous brothers. Shazad, yani, is always helping brothers like that. Right, so, oh, saqitin fi, or if something falls into it, yani, something which falls into it and then changes its nature. Its nature. So, he goes, of course, the Hanbalis have already excluded from this what? The Hanbalis have already mentioned this point, if you think about it. Who remembers what, what, what that point was? Anyone in Cheadle? Going to save the country, or is it London going to just take that burden? The Hanbalis, so the Sheikh here said something's fallen into it, and when that thing falls into it, he goes that it's now going to change its color or its taste or thingy completely. <laughs> and, and, and he said that this water now, it loses its status of becoming purifying, but it's still called pure. He goes, Sheikh says, we've already covered this. We've already covered the, an exception in this issue already. Who knows what that is? Okay. What? Okay, correct. What was what example did we give for the difficulty issue? We gave a very specific example. It's like a swamp with leaves coming from. Something we gave even more kind of graphic. Trees. Correct. The dirt of the mud. You remember we said that that if there's water with the soil at the bottom, it's pure muddy. If you put your foot in it and you shake it about on all the rest of it. It's like proper muddy, it smells muddy, looks muddy, I mean completely muddy. We said that it's permissible to make wudu from that water. It's still pure and purifying. Because because it's very difficult to imagine that we're going to obligate upon mankind to take mud out of every single source of water. That's how the world works. Do you understand the point? So that's why Shaykh Uthameen says, well, And we exclude from this issue, What you guys also said. And we also are excluding from this that which doesn't dissolve into it. So we've already mentioned that it can mix with something like kafur, which is very strong smelling, camphor. But because it doesn't dissolve like ink into the issue, we decided to, to, to give it a pass. We talked about grease, that changes the color completely. But because it doesn't mix with the water and you can still do something with it, we're allowed to use it. So there are some exceptions that we already have been stated clearly already. But now we're talking about something which has fallen into this water, i.e. there's a bucket of water and a, a pot of ink just you know, topples into it. And what happens is that it completely dissolves into it. And now we've got a major problem. The whole thing has now dissolved. Now, he goes... Um, uh, um, and he goes that the reason he goes what's the reason that the, the Hanabil are giving what is the ta'lil what is why are they saying this is the reason we cannot use this water they're saying that because this is now not absolute water anymore it's not ma'un mutlaq it's not water anymore it's something else it's not water as we understand it okay وَإِنَّمَا يُقَالْ مَاءُ كَذَا فَيُضَافْ كَمَا يُقَالْ مَاءُ وَرَدْ يعني that now 
you're not going to call it water anymore. Once something falls into this water or is cooked with this water, you don't call it water. At, at the best, Sheikh is giving an example, he goes, at the best, you might, maintain, you might still retain the word water, but you're going to put a prefix to it. Rose water. Yes? Or, I don't know, gripe water. That's a lame example, that. But what other example is there? Which water? Ruhafza. Astaghfirullah. That's category three. That's Najasa, brother. Astaghfirullah. That's haram to say that, yeah? That's haram to say that. That's true, astaghfirullah, for desperate people. So, um, do you understand the point? What I just said? That if something has water in the title, okay, let me, let me, let me carry on. وَلَكِنْ يُقَالْ إِنْ هَذَا لَا يَكْفِي فِي نَقْلِهِ مِنَ التَّهُورِيَّةِ إِلَى التَّحَارَةِ إِلَّا إِذَا انْتَقَلَ إِسْمُهُ انْتِقَالًا كَامِلًا فَيُقَالْ مَثَلًا هَذَا مَرَقٌ وَهَذِهِ قَهْوَةٌ فَحِينَئِذٍ لَا يُسَمَّ مَاءً وَإِنَّمَا يُسَمَّ الشَّرَابًا This is really nice. He goes, the problem I have with this is the same problem that Sheikh Rasulullah ibn Taymiyyah had. He said that no, it's not good enough. We cannot say this unless that water changes completely. Until we say that this is salan. Yeah? Unless we say this is coffee. Unless we say this is... Uh, what else? What example does he give? Yeah. Or, or he says that this is a drink. Until we get to that stage, we can still use that water. That water has not lost its purifying property. Does that make sense? So what the Sheikh is basically saying, he goes, if someone is still not confident enough to take the title water out of the title, then neither are we. And we're going to rule upon the ruling of water that is pure and purifying, whatever the Hanabilah say. Does that point make sense? Should I try and repeat that again? The Hanabilah are saying that if something, like if you mix rose, rose concentrate and all these kind of things concentrate with water, but you still call it rose water, meaning that it's not pure water and it's not all rose concentrate. That's why it's called concentrate, because it's not water, right? But you're calling it rose water, then you're still saying that it has characteristics of water strongly there. And we're not going to say that that has lost its purifying property. The second you start to take the title water out of that, of that, sub, that um, substance, then we'll say, yes, it's lost its purifying property. So, if, if, you would just dunk meat into some kind of water, but it's like an Arab flex, yani, you know, lameness basically, yeah? So they don't put no, nothing in, no piaz, no tomato, no nothing, yeah? <laughs> so it's just, you know, they just cook the meat in and they don't do nothing. Maybe they might even stick a bit of salt in, but they just dunk it and out. And whatever you got left is basically water, isn't it? It'd be take a brave man who put that in front of you and say, yeah, there's my salon, yeah? <laughs> as far as we're concerned, that's water, isn't it? And it's got that little bit of grease kind of flex on the top. And that's not, you know, that's not proper. You can't be eating any bread with that flex, yeah? <laughs> we, would, we might turn around and say, this is water that's had laham dunked in it. That's had the gosh dunked in it. We wouldn't be confident by saying, this has gone all the way and turned into a curry or turned into a silent or turned into whatever. Do you understand the point? Mm. So if there's still doubt that it's not gone all the way, likewise, likewise, if you give, <laughs> this is rough here, but you know when you're making a drink, uh, cordial, so sometimes, yani, you know what it is. Obviously, you might just put like, you know, be a bit of a pack and just put a little drop in, yeah? And, you know, someone might come and they criticize, yani, your guests, they say, what did you do, yani? You just put a little drop in the water. It's very weak, the color is very weak, whatever. 
and you know there's a bit of fun and games about that definition. Whereas then you've got another whole scenario altogether where if you dump a good you know a third of the concentrate in the glass and stick the water in, you're getting a good result. No man in his right mind is going to call that anything other than ribena or cordial or juice. Do you understand the point? So what Sheikh is saying, Sheikh Al-Islam is saying, is that the second you have water with a tea bag in it, and until it's still that, that water can be used. Once you look at it and you say, this is tea, it's a different name, and the people understand it's something different, that's when we've lost its reality, that's when it's now moved, now it's lost its tahuriya, it's lost its ability to purify, it's now just pure. Now you just take that, you can't make wudu with it, but if you put it over your head, you can still pray. Understood the point? I think we'll close on that. I think we'll close on that. I think that's enough, Yani. Uh, I think it's an amazing achievement that we got to pure water in London. No, no, sorry. It's an amazing irony that we got to pure water in London. <laughs> the, you know, I, just, like, I, I, I told the guys, shout out to all London crew who came to Prasad's house uh, at King's, mashallah, jazawamallah, khibra, an amazing class. I, they've heard the story, obviously, but I'm going to tell everyone else the story. Um, so I'm there in the flat that I'm staying at at the moment, and Zakaria, uh, my youngest boy, he... Uh, he, uh, he goes, oh, Baba, I need some water. So I, then I got him some water. But I, uh, I took the glass down from the thingy, all washed clean, everything. Nice, brand spanking glass. Put it, made the, uh, the water from the tap, gave him the water. He took one, two steps. He goes, Baba, Baba, the glass is dirty. <laughs> so when he said that, I thought, SubhanAllah, I must have given him like a dirty glass or something, or used glass. So I looked at the glass and I see absolutely spotless, shining, perfect, come out of dishwasher thingy. I go, son, I go, there's nothing wrong with this glass. He goes, Baba, taste the water, it's definitely dirty. Fitrat, <laughs> yani, <laughs> you see? Insan ka fitrat, yani, he's a young kid. He's been brought up, yani, upon yani, normal water up north, yani, which is Buxton water that you guys buy down here. We get it natural, right? Okay? Right? The guy, Miskin, he put the tap on and he drank that water and he said, what the heck, this isn't water. This is not human water. You can't say this actually has a taste and it tastes like it. And then that's one dish, yani, which made me laugh. And then I realized, Wait for the second dish. I go, no, no, Zakaria, this isn't, uh, the, the cup isn't dirty. The water just changed, it, it tastes different. He goes, no, no, Baba, it tastes disgusting, like Zamzam water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, is that you see, obviously, like father, like son, I told people that I don't know what people rate Zamzam water for. Zamzam tastes yani, lame, yeah, I don't know what, what's, where is it? People don't like it when I say that. And I said, what's the problem? Who said the Zamzam water had to taste nice? <laughs> people think that because, it, because it's special water and it's, part, it's pure, uh, that the water of Zamzam is so amazing that whatever you want it to be drunk for, it will be drunk for. Say what you want, you'll be given from anything. It's like Aladdin water. Instead of rubbing a lamp, drink the water, make any wish. That's the hadith of Nabi Wasallam, And we completely believe that. He didn't say, you're going to enjoy drinking it. <laughs> he didn't say, it's going to taste like honey and water and wine and whatever. He didn't say, it's going to taste nice. He said that it's yani, drunk for what it is. We have barakah in it. It's important that Pakistan emotionally detach themselves from the issue. I'm telling you, I don't like the taste of Zamzam. I drink liters of it because we believe in its properties and its uh, curing. But it's a heavy, heavy water, man. You drink that water, you can't knock down like liters easily, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, the irony of us yani, having to cover pure water in London is not lost upon me or upon your good selves. How many times does it go through the human body and thingy? Seven, 76 times or something? I don't know. Anyway, khalas, I think we'll call it. We'll get rid of these online yani, uh, students. They're the lame ones. Are they the lame ones because they are online themselves now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So it's, it's good, isn't it? That's why I said to them last week, I go, you're dissing yourselves because you're saying, Yani, online students, they don't know anything, whatever. You're going to be online yourselves next week. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, Jazakumullah uh, to everyone for tuning in. Shaz, you can cut the... Oh, no, no. Shaz, you guys want to ask any questions? We've got to give Cheetah some priority. Give some respect to Cheetah, Yara. Right. Uh, Shaz, if there's any uh, questions from the Chidu crowd, then um, I don't even know. Oh, yeah. I can. Uh, we'd uh, have to. Uh... And if you guys have any questions, then get those together, some, some dirty. Uh, I just want to remind everyone don't, don't even run off anywhere because there's no highlights on. I've checked this wheel out already, of course, yeah. And ITV ain't got no highlights on. And the earliest highlights that you can see is at 12 o'clock midnight on Sky. So there's no excuse for anyone to be running off. Unless you've got work and stuff like that, then you leave immediately. That's fine. We're going to chill out for a little while. We'll do some Q&A. We'll just talk and, you know, diss and cuss a few people, whatever. And then, and then, um, and then yeah, thank you. Right, yes, go ahead. Do you know, like, Hajibri in this book, it's written that, you know, man can't use a woman's used water. You have to speak up. That Hajawi says that man can't use what? You know, the man can't be used, you know, uh, women's used water for evolution. But then uh, Sheikh Uttamain goes, goes on to, you know, say that you can use it and then he quotes the Hadith. You know, why is that such a, you know, a contradiction? I mean, did, had we not received that Hadith, you know, where you know, Rasulullah did use, you know, his wife's uh, used water? What's going on there? So it's, it, there's a number. There's a number of of uh, what the brother is saying is that how is it possible that uh, the Hanbalis are saying that it's not allowed to use such a water, okay, and yet at the same time this hadith is is, is there. Actually, the first thing you need to know is that there were there were some of the Hanbali scholars that disagreed with Hijawi on this, and so it's not yani, a major uh, position in the Hanbali madhab. A number of scholars. That's the first thing. So a number of them themselves corrected the position in the Hanbali school. Number two, there are some people that consider the other the, the, the other hadith not to be um, applicable here. That is referring to a non-washing scenario. So the, the the reasoning for differences of opinion within the Hanbali method on this issue is quite understandable and acceptable. And like I said, I didn't find. Um, uh, the the point that why I could show, quote you some of the other ulama, I would have made it clearer. Okay, let's take while they get a question together. We'll take anything in this class on this uh, on this issue. Anything? It's all man's them, man. And you guys must have kicked the women into the I don't know into the boiler room or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you see, Cheeto best be. I'm telling you, Cheeto best be grateful. I wish that I could show you. I wish I could show you, Yanni, that I've just got mans in front of me and no women. Whereas we are progressive love, Yanni, modern love. Yeah, we are modern love. We have our women at the back giving full rights. We don't stick them in a boiler room. Huh? Is there a boiler room over there? No? Is there a proper prayer room? What does that mean? What, two foot by two foot? Allah Masakin. Women get abused in London. We tell all the women, leave these Londoners. Come to the north, we'll show you life. We'll show you freedom, we'll show you any progression. <laughs> Just not the not the deal side, Yani. Stick to not the, the, the Indian side, not the uh, you know that side, stick to our side. Haji, how are you sub sub? Assalamualaikum. Um just a quick question regarding um, you were saying that the water that uh, a woman uses for purification. Um, now is that referring to for example there's a bucket, she's used the water in the bucket or does it mean because uh, you mentioned later on that the way they purify themselves was um, from water 
and the water would drop back into the same source? Or would it be that any remainder, remaining water, whether it's been touched by the uh, other water that she used, say, for example, she took a bucket of water out of that and she used that? Um, Correct. It's a, good, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good question. So what I think what you heard what Yusuf just said there. He said that, what is this actually referring to? Is it referring to a woman who is making wudu in the actual bucket and the water going back in? Or is it the hukam is all based upon the water being used not water falling back in again. Does that make sense? What do you think the answer is? <coughs> the water being used. Well, not yeah, exactly. The water being used. It's not that the water is being falling back in again. It's referring to the actual water as a source. The fact that the water has been touched. The fact that the water has been taken from. It's not talking about water that's going back in again. Any issue that we discuss in this whole chapter is never referring to water being put back in again because theoretically if a person's face is dirty and you wash your face and that's going back in again, there's bigger issues there than just walking about yeah, thinking you know, about whether the water is pure purifying when man's going to just put his dirty whatever in the water, you know what I'm saying? So this has got nothing to do with that. This is an issue of take the water and wash it somewhere else, but my hands went into this water and took out. So the mas'ala is all about the original source. Yeah. Um, I think I might have got my wires crossed, but with the second bit where you were talking about cordial water, you were, you were saying it was purifying. Did you mean it was just pure? So what, the, what, the, what I meant when it comes to the issue of cordial and so on, is according to the Hanbali school, the second you put cordial into water, and you now have changed its colour, or its smell, or its taste, this has now lost its quality of purifying. You can't use it for wudu. It's still pure. What Sheikh Uthameen said, and the position of Sheikh Uthameen is that as long as we still call that water, then it has not lost its purifying property. The second we start calling it proper cordial or juice, meaning that we don't dare use the word water in the title, then it has no link to water anymore. Now it has indeed lost its purifying property. You can't use it for water. Does that make sense? Allah, 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 You see that? You see that? If, if this is what happens when I say that the sisters should sit at the back, I just want to say that the sisters should always sit at the back. The sisters should not be made to pray in a boiler room. The sisters should not be made to sit in a two by two thingy room. Is there anything else I can say for you, sisters? That will allow me to get something before I go home? It's amazing. What a fiqhi idea. What a fiqhi. No, I said this. I said, you see, you see, you see what Abdul Hakim just said there? Abdul Hakim just says, look, you see that? You see? You show them the sisters in Chido, yeah? And this is how I should be looked after. Yeah? This is, I come down to hometown East London style, you know what I'm saying? Yeah? And this is what they look after me. They, they, they bring me something. And they're so clever, they even know that this is not. Haram for me. They know this is not haram for me. They know this is actually wajib for me because it's fuel. It's brain fuel. The real fuck is how I get this home without it melting, bro. Jazakumullah khair wallahi. Any sisters, we love the sisters wallahi. They were, they were made beloved to us, said the Prophet in a very unfair twist of the hadith. But anyway, right, yes, yes. Um, oh no, sorry, sorry, brother, sorry, sorry. It didn't come for free, it came to some questions. Sorry. What, about, sorry. what about water from taps, pipes which contain rust? When the water comes out, it is discolored. The tap does not run 
uh, does not run clean even when given time. If this is an excuse for London water, it's a poor, poor one. Yeah, that's just not acceptable. Now, obviously, it's a it's a it's a good question, and the answer we know to this it would be answered from two types. One, still, no one's going to call it rust. It's going to they're going to call it water, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to say it's got some dirt in it of some sort. So there's no issue there according to our position. Secondly, why there's no problem is that this is no way this can be prevented. Yeah, this would be our watering hole issue. So this is now water, which is, uh, uh, you know, uh, we don't have any other system other than pipes. And we cannot yani, keep changing the entire system of pipes as well. I'd even chuck in a third one, but then I don't want it to be a fatwa, that the Prophet ﷺ was asked a question about a certain well, and it had, its water had become red, a yani, ferrous kind of uh, uh, type, uh, color, uh, discoloration. And the Prophet ﷺ said that water does not become impure. Water does not become impure. So, as I said, water by itself in this kind of natural state, whatever, without anyone adding it, and with it being natural, and with it being too difficult to avoid, there's no issue uh, in this scenario. Um, uh, okay, no, this is, this is for me saying that there are another uh, 10 Hagen Dazes waiting if I say the right things. Very good, God bless. Okay, yeah. Going back to the women are alone. Uh, does it mean, sorry, I mean, when we say it's alone, then someone, uh, a, a boy or a girl, has to be able to, um, or age of seven? How is it permissible? I mean, uh, can a woman purify herself in front of a nine year old? So, so the brother's asking, he goes, I don't understand the situation between a woman being alone with a boy. Uh, what does that actually mean? Uh, and I think what, you're, according to the Hanbalis, first of all, because we don't uh, say this is an obligation. But I think you're assuming that she's having a bath. Yeah. And we're not talking about a bath here. We're talking about wudu. So she doesn't have to be naked here, of course. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. I know what that means. I know that you could understand from it that this is talking about her being naked with a nine-year-old. That wouldn't be permissible is the answer to your, your question. You're right. But this is not about having a bath. This is about making withdrawal. All right. Okay. Yep. Anyone uh, else? Yeah. Um, about the ruling, as a humble ruling, where, um, is there any research that still maintain that position? Oh, yes. Gosh, yes. Yeah. What's the reason? Because of the hadith, because of the hadith which we said is authentic, that a man should not wash from that which is left over from the woman, and the woman should not wash off from left over from the man. If we just keep it very simple, yeah? If we just keep it very, very simple, if I said to you, the Prophet ﷺ said, do not wash from the extra that which is left over from a woman, and you ain't got time to look into it, don't even want to look into it, but you just heard the statement, you'd avoid it, right? That's, that's the end of it, you'd avoid it. Now, if you were more a thinker and you thought, let me have a little think about this, Yanni, why would anyone say that? You'd naturally come to the conclusion and think, yeah, people would say that because maybe the water gets dirty. There's a risk, Yanni, that someone's uh, putting his hands in or whatever and the water might become, you know, something, uh, as, as is going to become clear in the next, next week's lesson, when we start talking about someone who wakes up from nighttime and then starts using the water. Why did the Prophet prohibit that? We're going to discuss that next week. Once you understand that, then you would understand then why... If we have a completely different hadith which talks about don't, don't let a man use the extra, don't let the woman use the extra, the same principle will be in, will be in play because they're still taken from a uh, container. So that hadith, is, we're not going to make it weak because it's authentic. And our methodology, and this is very important, the methodology of Ahlul Hadith, now being very uh, serious now, is that we never reject hadith if we can't explain it or if there's some issue that's confusing. We always combine. That's a methodology. Now, there are some scholars out there in their methodology that when they come across hadith, they desperately need to make something weak in order to establish their position. 
and that is a characteristic of some madhahib. Okay, the madhab of Ahlul Hadith, and this is what's make different, they make them different from the Ahlul Ra'i, the people of thinking, is that if they come across a contradictory hadith, they will try their very best to combine the hadith before making it weak. And that's what Shaykh Uthameen here has done. Even though it's so manifestly clear he doesn't agree with the principle, he's still not willing to knock out the hadith. So he says, let's keep the hadith where it is. We know in Muslim that the Prophet ﷺ did actually do this from his wives. So we know it's permissible. We have this prohibition hadith on the side. It must therefore mean a discouragement. It just must mean this is being discouraged from using leftover water because there could be some kind of issue there. People are not looking after themselves. People are not being careful. And why take the risk? Try and use fresh water each time. Because, and by the way, I did it as the Prophet and I did it from my wives and there's no problem as in Sahih Muslim. So the permission is there, but I'd like you not to do it. And I state this another time in a different context. Shaykh Uthameen comes, Ahl Hadith come, and they like to combine Hadith without saying, no, you don't do this whatsoever, we'll make the Hadith weak, its meaning is strange, the Hadith is shad, the Matan is shad. This is the methodology of liberals and progressives, not the, the methodology of the Ahl Salaf, yani the people who go back to the Hadith principle and always have a respect for the Hadith. So there's a, there's some, there, there is actually a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I'm not at liberty to keep going into each time. But I want you to know that the scholars are applying some of their classical principles of learning in deriving these positions. And that also answers the question that our brother said there as well, Yanni, why they would uh, have that opinion. Well, yeah. explain why the same statement doesn't apply the other way around, i.e. for men as well as women. It, and and uh, correct, and which is why Sheikh Uthameen brought it up, and he, you know, and he, and he got his dig in. He said it's strange that people are saying that, and you can see that from his heart, he doesn't, he doesn't believe that the actual thing should be done, but he doesn't want to now make the hadith. Yeah, correct, correct. I think we'll call it. We'll let these uh, thingies go. Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Um, we talked about things going into the water and changing. It's a good question. So the question is that what about water going into something else? The ruling is the same, depending upon what the consequence is, what the, what the, what the result is. Yes. This is out of curiosity, but you know those, um, those old sort of mobile massages that have those large little ponds almost? Yes. Um, I've never noticed any kind of drainage system in them at all. So were they just left like that and then people just making it all out the same water? For no, no, there, are, there is a drainage system. Of course there is. Actually, what the brother's asking goes like in Azhar and Zaytuna and whatever, in the classic masajid, they have a wudu pool in the middle. Actually, what you're seeing is that's the water, the source, but where it's taken and then placed, either it, then that part has drainage where you're using it, or it will just dry off. Remember, they we're not talking about flowing masses amount of water. I'll tell you something, and when we, when, we, when we get to that section, you'll realize that one of the reasons we use so much water is because of the, 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 the nature of the source of the water that we use. It's running water. When water isn't running, you will use 10% of your water for wudu. When water isn't running. Without, any, without you being extravagant, let's say that you're in the right mode now that I'm going to try my best to be conservative with water, and you make wudu with water from a tap, you will use 10 times the amount of water compared to if you have distilled water and you're using it like that. So if you now accept that point, that you'll use 10% of that water, you'll also accept that then there's 10% of the water that's going on the floor, and then you'll accept that the Muslim countries in dry kind of conditions, that water is dried up in no time at all. Saying that, there's still drainage around the sides where the water is used. That is still a pool, though. 
Okay, we have we have the last question from the sisters here. The water, if it goes back into the original pool, that would be a problem, but it doesn't. But it doesn't. If the water, if, if I mean, if it does, that's a problem. Meaning that if you are using a pool of water and you are making wudu and all of your dirt and everything is going back into the original water, that's a problem. Correct. That's a problem. That's how I've seen it. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Allah. Allah. Yep. 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 Uh, last question. Last now. question. Okay. Okay. Shaz. Yeah. Okay. We heard it first time. Shaz. Alright. Uh, why why is whether the woman is alone or not a condition what difference does this make to the water it doesn't which is why we said that yani just carry on keep calm and carry on whatever they say okay then uh, boys and girls we'll let you guys go inshallah then if there's anything left of the game i don't even know if we want to know the result or not but i let you go i don't know where bobby john is but anyway jazakumullah khair right Shaz. right guys what would you like to like, Muslim? Would you like an early night? Would you like Yanni to have some fun at games? Would you like me to tell you a few jokes? What would you like me to? I have no idea. Would you like me to do? But I'm, but I'm at your service. Funny news. <laughs> <laughs> funny funny news. <laughs> you see, that's one thing I just can't let you do, Yanni. Take my hug and does. someone give us a score, man. Just put us out of our misery. Gus made final result, yeah. That's not bad, is it really? Because <laughs> we were expecting to be slaughtered by Ronaldo, Yanni. Hakikatan, Yanni. You reckon, yeah? But that's the problem. He'll be playing like he's at home anyway. God, will be smacking it down the wing, Yanni. Now, I think Fergie's happy with one all. I think we'll be happy with one all, you know that? Three weeks, get, get uh, Vida back as well. We didn't have Vidic in the defence either this week, or today. So, three weeks down the line, got Vidic in. Yeah. I'm happy with that, bro. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Oh, man, that other, the other big game. Shakhtar, Dinesh, or whatever. One all as well, huh? Yeah, two, two. Two, two? two, two? Mm. How do you know, bro? Yeah, got a score there, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, bro, what's the, Yes, yes. Right, I wanted to ask, you know, um, like, after that like, university, if someone wants to get serious about like, gaining knowledge, mm. what would be the best routine or best way you'd recommend? So the brother's asking for the, for the sake of the sisters, uh, the brother's asking what would you recommend would be the best uh, route for seeking knowledge seriously after university. Um, and obviously I want to say before I answer that obviously every person who answers a question, they're answering it from their own point of view. So when I answer this question, I don't uh, want anyone to be offended or whatever. Likewise, I want you to understand that um, a person's own life experiences They shape people's opinions Number one, I think that's the correct thing to do After a degree I, I am a strong believer Unlike others That you should have a secular qualification Or some form of thing To fall back on Before you go to do serious study Secondly, I also believe In your question, you got it right again In saying abroad to go and do serious study In this country now We have the means to do serious study but not in the time frame that a person would need to do. So locally you have a number of scholars and so on, and now online these things like that, their knowledge will be taken to a proper level. But to, to, study, to study seriously, you have to learn proficient Arabic. And then you have to be able to read Quran and understand it proficiently. And these two or three things, they point to the necessity of going to an Arab country. And I say Arab country, not in insult, not in a deference to Asian ones, especially India and Pakistan, that are master uh, uh, locations for study. But because 
Uh, truth be told, uh, there they will focus on other skills in order to get to the Arabic, meaning that they will work on your other kind of uh, means and so on and so forth, delay the level of Arabic progression as compared to an Arabic country. Um, from the Arab countries, I am not a supporter of Islamic universities. I believe that that is a, uh, a route for only a small number of people. Um, I believe that that is a route for someone who is not financially capable and can stand by themselves and therefore are desperately in need of a scholarship. And so if you are, then that's going to be your only option. And then, of course, your stand in Medinas and all the rest of it, then they come into play. And I'm not an expert in that. Other people are. I'm not a fan of the universities. Sheikh Uthameen was never a fan of Islamic universities. My own teacher advised me against going to a university. And this is the kind of school that believes that sitting with teachers is where it's at. Um, that's not to say that people who go and study at a university don't sit with teachers. Of course they do. But this is to say that um, it's universities is a Western phenomenon in, in the way that it is created and, and set up. And the students that generally go to that kind of place, they have the motivation to knock it out like this. Hard time, hard hours, hard thingies. Whereas the university is looking to make education fun, easier, or uh, more accessible and so on, which is a good thing for certain people. I'm just saying that yani, if someone is serious, serious, and they're willing to put in 10 hours, 15 hours a day, reduce their sleep for one or two years, then you would get double the amount of benefit by going and finding teachers freestyle, even having to pay for that, and so on and so forth. So from my point of view, that would then take out some of these like Azhar's and Medinas and so on and so forth. I make a note on Azhar and I say that's vastly improved. It's not the Ash'ari kind of uh, center that it used to be. There are now uh, very, very good modules that are available from good, good scholars, and there are a number of teachers around as well. I'm, as I said, a fan of going and studying privately with teachers themselves, studying Arabic specifically, finding someone for Quran, someone for Tajweed. And to cut a long story short, I believe that Egypt is the best solution for the fact that it has a very good range of uh, resources, but also because I believe that naturally the students of the West are very weak. And we've become weaker over our time. I mean, when I was going, I was weak. And that was because the uh, our elders had already kind of started that and we were like lesser. Now, 15 years later, the people are far weaker. And they are not just far weaker in of themselves from motivation and discipline, but the temptation is 10 times more, not twice more. We never had Facebook in our time. We never had Blackberries. We never had tweets. We never had updates. We never had red flashing lights. And you know what I'm trying to say? <coughs> These do not allow people to study like we used to study. We used to be able to memorize and study easily and not worry about things. Now, that's virtually impossible. That's virtually impossible to keep ignoring your phone, keep ignoring the email, keep ignoring that, whatever. The nature of these, of these social networks is they're, they're specifically pervasive into our lives, into our minds. And so not only are we not able to uh, isolate ourselves from them, even if we do isolate ourselves from that source of fitna, our mind has now been reprogrammed to be stimulated at a very quick kind of uh, rate. Therefore, our attention span therefore decreases, and therefore reading any kind of text or memorizing a number of times becomes ten times more difficult. So therefore, saying all of this and understanding all of that, we now have to lower our expectations when we're sending a student abroad. We have to send them to a place where they would feel that they would be able to cope, because they become depressed very quickly, they miss home very quickly, they miss uh, you know, certain things very, very quickly. And I've had a number of experiences with people that have even sent to modern places and they've, they've, they've suffered. 
A lot of people say to me that you've been to Mauritania, why don't you say Mauritania, Mauritania? Mauritania is a dream that you should all just throw in the bin. It is something that no one in, this, in, the, in our current time can do. It's just yani, except one out of a thousand. And not only that, but actually politically and, and uh, politically and socially is very dangerous anyway. We wouldn't send anyone there. It's a very, very unstable country. Egypt is not unstable at all. That's the exact opposite. You get the idea that Mauritania is very stable, but it's actually incredibly unstable. And you get the idea and the promotion that Egypt is actually very unstable. In fact, it's very incredibly stable. So the places that you study with teachers and learn Arabic and whatever, it's very good, very good balance. It's very modern lifestyle. People are able to uh, pretty much live a UK kind of life while studying and get extra five, ten hours and be in that environment. So that's my, that's the various points. That's what I would, I would advise. I would advise someone doing as much as they can, little bits and pieces, especially in Arabic and English, while they're here, then go over there and smack it up. You know, on that note, um, where would you say marriage comes into that? So marriage, in my my opinion, it it fits into this at two levels. Number one, you either do not get married if it's a while off and you're able to keep things under lockdown. You then go and you deal with it as quick as possible. And as I was explaining on this weekend, this is the meaning of the statement of Sayyidina Omar, who said, that you learn first before you lead. Some of the ulama read this statement as learn before you get married because you need to leave the household. Once you become a father and a husband, you don't have the time to study like you used to. So this is the meaning of that statement. Or you know that your wife wants to, uh, to study as well, therefore you get married very quickly to the woman who will study and you take her with you. This is my by far preferred option because what's, who's more important to study is actually your wife, not you. Because your knowledge will benefit few people, her knowledge will benefit many people in a much deeper way. So um, if you can get married quickly without time being wasted, and she's willing to uh, buy into that, which is also a plus point, any woman who is willing to buy into a proper study abroad is the kind of woman you want to get married to, is the kind of woman you want to raise your children. So my advice would be then to get married very quickly and both of you go over with no intention of having children and building families, but go over with a clear focus. That, and even if that means contraceptive use, and I consider that to be permissible, for a number of years to go out there and stack up the knowledge for each, uh, for each individual, Arabic, Quran, um, a base level of religion, before then one starts a family. There's a chance you take in. Though. A chance in taking... First and then Not if you yeah agreed. It is a chance that you start to then get Yanni hooked up into a uh, husband role, family role, and so on. But that would only happen if, for example, there was no contraception use, not being careful, and someone then marrying a woman who wants to be treated like a wife abroad, like as if she's at home. You'd have to get married to a woman who sees herself as I'm a student. Oh, and I'm married. There are women out there like that that will realize that the kind of standard thing I'm looking for as a settled housewife, I'm going to defer that for a year, for, for a number of years until I get home and have a house to be a housewife with. Over there when I'm abroad, I'm thinking of myself like I'm a student, living with my best friend kind of thing, and we're just studying. So that's the kind of mentality, yeah, and you're right. Correct, correct. It is a risk, and that's why you would definitely have to go with the right person. Definitely with the right partner. Allah Allah. Okay, I think uh, you guys uh, are about to die. I can see the eyes going and all the rest of it. So I will give you ijazat. And uh, I'm hanging around, inshallah, for a little while anyway. If you guys want to have a uh, thingy, but I think we'll call it a night. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.